Hey everyone, how's everyone doing? My name is Nachum Russell, or Russ to everybody but Menachem. Um, <laughs> and this is Menachem Poznanski, who was a client of mine, still is a client of mine, a while ago. Um, has a really cute French bulldog named Lucy, who went through the three-week program that I have, my three-week full immersion program, or board and train, for those of you who don't, I like to call it full immersion, but it's a board and train. And Lucy came to me, how long ago now? Um, nine months ago. It's like yeah, January. nine months, right? And I figured it would be cool because I generally have dog trainers on here, but my audience is not just dog trainers. And I think it's a cool thing to have somebody come on who has the perspective of a dog owner. And so I was searching. I had this idea for a while that I wanted to have a dog owner on. And I wasn't sure who to have on. I have a lot of great clients. All my clients are great people. And then you put out a really cool podcast. So so Menachem is a host of a podcast called Consciously, which is a very cool spiritual personal development type podcast, right? Would that describe it well? That's great. Yeah, that was amazing. Thank you. Um, and he put out a, a podcast really discussing what lessons he's learned from living with and raising and training a dog and after i listened to that one i was like all right i have to have menachem on here to come talk about all of that with everybody because i think it's a really cool topic and i always think of dog training as a lot of personal development in it really so the way that you were speaking about it i related to it a lot yeah yeah so um i'm a social worker by trade and um also an author uh so i have a creative side to me and um, throughout this process, really from the beginning, um, I, well, I think there was two things. First of all, getting a dog is like a huge effort. It's like a, it's a, it's a financial investment. It's a time investment. It's an emotional investment. Um, and I'm invested in doing a lot of things. Thank God I keep myself very busy. I'm like at a point in my life where I'm trying to be like as busy as possible. And the idea of, dedicating hours and hours and hours of my time and effort to a dog required a certain amount of justification. And one of the justifications that I came up with, there were two. So one was, uh, God willing, down the line, I'd like to utilize Lucy in some of my practice um, and as a tool, as a therapeutic tool. She's, a, she's awesome. She's a great personality. She's super friendly. Um, and dogs are very, very like a powerful tool therapeutic tool um yeah. that was one and the other one was that raising the dog and doing it properly um was going to be a real effort on my part in terms of personal development which i'm very into personal development um, and that's what that's how i've looked at it the entire time it's like okay what am i learning from this what can i gain from this and that was particularly like taken to the next level when we actually um, pulled the trigger and sent Lucy for your full immersion program. Um, not that we knew we were going to do it the whole time, but we did this very strategic plan, which you probably remember was like seven weeks where we had her in the house and we were like, you know, doing the best we could with a little bit of your guidance and advice and watching your, you know, your Instagrams and watching your podcast and trying to like incorporate those things. And then we did the three week full immersion and then it was like a totally new experience. Um, and it's been a, very very rich experience um and then covid so like yeah. uh, which is a whole other level 
Right. So uh, it's been amazing. It's been amazing. And it manifests, I think, into two or three episodes of the podcast that relate to different areas, different things that I learned from kind of interacting with Lucy and engaging in the, the training process. Um, anyway, so I don't want to jump ahead, but that's kind of what's been uh, my experience. And it's been, it's been humble. I never would have anticipated it. Uh, yeah. Ross. I, I mean, aside from never would have anticipated kind of doing it with a trainer and specifically doing it with you because it's a methodology behind what you do and there's so much like forethought that goes into it. Um, you know, we've had some really, really rich conversations that feel like I'm speaking to a colleague. I'm a psychotherapist by, by trade. Um, and it felt like conversations I was having with a colleague, which is odd, not because I see people as dogs, but there are systems that are similar. You know, yeah, there's and, so many similarities. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a, a psychologist, right? But I, yeah. I read a lot, and I think there's a lot of similarities between human personal development and dog training in general. And therapy is about personal development, really. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, and, and one of the ways in which um, I've connected with it most significantly on the pot in the first podcast episode that we talked about at length, you know, was this idea that you know, there's what's unique about human beings is that we have these kind of two parts of us. We have, you know, what sometimes people refer as like an angelic part or a, a conscious part, uh, self-conscious part. And then we have a part of us that's animal, but that's, I don't mean animal in a, in a negative light, the way sometimes we call somebody an animal that you don't, you don't mean it that way. I mean, there's a part of me that's instinctual and there's a part of me that's evolutionary and there's a part of me that's need oriented and there's a part of me that's survival oriented and those parts are really valuable and useful and a lot of like attaining a measure of self-development and self-mastery is about learning how to develop a really vibrant relationship between those two parts of me you know so like it's almost like therapy is really being both the dog owner and the dog at the same time yeah right that's, that's kind cool. of the way that i've seen it you know, it's kind of trying to play both roles. Yeah. So, like, I remember our, our your go-home session, Lucy's go-home session. I remember these conversations. And it was very cool because some there's a lot of different types of people, right? And I work with a lot of different types of dog owners. And what was cool about you is when I would use an example of, like, relating it to, like, in, interpersonal relationships or or even things with ourselves, like boundaries and structure and things like that, I can see how it clicked right away. And it, it made a lot of sense. At the time, I didn't know you were a psychotherapist. I just knew you had a really cool podcast. I knew that you you wrote books. I didn't know exactly what you did. And it all just made, it made sense afterwards when I started to put it all together. I was like, this, it all clicks. And in my life, I know with my journey with, with dog training and my own dogs, I always felt that the more developed I was as a person, the better my dogs got, the better my training got. And I started to see a real connection between the two. Like, I don't read dog training books. And I'm just not into them, to be honest. But I read a ton of personal development books. And some of the greatest lessons that I've gotten in dog training came from books that have absolutely nothing to do with dog training, like parenting right. books, or personal development books, and things like that. Because I think that the core basics of of what I teach really is the same, like boundaries and structure and accountability. These are things that 
any any being that has this in their life is going to thrive with it, you know? Right. Well, I mean, what's interesting is that, and this is, I don't know, I don't know if it's unique to your training style or not, because I haven't like experienced. I listened to like a couple um, like podcasts about training uh, dog training before, so I can't like speak to it. But one of the things that really shone through for me is that the relationship is actually a key component of the training. Right. Like one of the things that stood out to me was like you came over, there was a training process that was going on. You didn't just train Lucy and then come drop her off and they were on her own. We were in dialogue before. And if I want to get the most out of the training, I'm like taking um, cues from you. And then you came over and we spent almost a half a day kind of or whatever it was a few hours really, you know, trying to understand the process. And um, part of what you were instructing which came like you said very natural to me it was kind of like the realization that you have a relationship with the dog and it's not just like you have a relationship with a dog that's like you know i come in the in the house and she's jumping and she's excited to see me and i'm excited to see her that's obvious but like there's a protection aspect to that relationship like when we were talking we were talking about how we walk lucy and how we allow her to interact with other dogs and the safety and body position and those things are somewhat technical, but it didn't emerge that way. It was like there was a certain responsibility drive that came along with our conversations, which I think was really powerful, which is like like you're owning a dog. You're not owning an inanimate thing. And you're not the dog is not your slave and you're not the dog's slave. But there's a two-way interpersonal relationship that's going on between the dog that relates to and a healthy that healthy relationship comes along with boundaries and limits and uh, instruction and um, consequences to a degree. I think in the sense of like um, Lucy understanding how far she can go and what's expected of her and what's not expected of her. And I remember even in specific, like we had a couple of setbacks related to like uh, uh, bathrooms in the house or whatever. And you know, you had, this is a, this is a beautiful example that emerged and this emerges in life. Generally, we just want to talk about dog training, but this is a, such a powerful, um, uh, principle, which is you encounter a situation that's frustrating to you. The most effective response to it is to ask yourself, okay, what was my part in this? Right? What role? Don't assume that the dog was wrong. Assume right. first that there's something wrong with you. There's something mistake that you made. And whether that's actual or not, it made every one of those interactions a learning process. And not only was it a learning process for me personally, it was a learning process within my marriage and within my relationship with my kids, you know, meaning even expressing my boundaries, expressing my needs, all those things came into this relationship with this dog that came into my life. And it, it, I, I don't know, I don't want to make it sound more technical or more overbearing than it is. I don't think it's overbearing, but it's very vibrant and full, you know? And then right. I'm not just like getting a dog. I like, I added to my life, right? Which is like, yeah. which is, maybe I, that makes, yeah. I think so there's, you were saying like, is it specific to your method, my method of training or is this how training is in general? And you're not sure because like, I'm your trainer, right? <laughs> so like you right, were, exactly. you, like you dove into like a lot of different styles of training. But the interesting thing is that there is 
kind of just not to get technical about training because you're not a trainer and it doesn't really matter that much to you. You're, you're good. Your dog is awesome. But there's like our kind of two camps of training, you can call it, right? Where one is kind of, one is called purely positive and one is called balanced, right? And the basic difference between the two is purely positive. What it basically means is that we're only rewarding good behaviors, right? So there aren't those clear boundaries because clear boundaries come with some sort of consequence. And right. I think that to me, in my journey, the beauty of balanced training is that it has the boundaries and that we speak about so much about structure and about relationship and about leadership and guidance. Like those are the things that to me play out in a very strong way from into a, into a human interaction way and into just a, a good way of living that I take from dog training because life is not going to be all good, right? And right. it's not all purely positive and like life in general, not dog training. And when, when kind to me, the way I look at it is I can kind of play out parts of life through dog training, right? Understanding how structure has an effect on another being and watching it change through that is a very strong way for me to like learn through experience of that dog, right? Or how, the boundaries, setting strong boundaries, how that changes the dog's life and how that changes the owner's life, right? And to me, I see these types of things play out in a very strong way in develop in personal development in general and human life in general that I don't think you would get from a lot of other styles of training, not meaning that this is like my thing that I made up, but what I mean is like just the, the style of training that I practice because this style of training talks so much about boundaries and about structure and about uh consequences both good and bad obviously and leadership and guidance and all these things that i think we where we see the personal development aspects come out is more is more focused on in the style of training that i practice in balanced training than if we were to just say ignore bad behaviors right um and hope that they go away um and and let dogs kind of make their own decisions for themselves and never have a strong sense of structure in the dog's life and let it just figure things out where it sounds really nice and hippy dippy and free flowing, but it doesn't actually help the dog thrive. And kind of, I think for my personal life, that was the, how it played out for me a lot in life is like, yeah, I, I kind of had that part of my life where I was like, hippy dippy, let it all flow and everything's going to be good. And it's all blah, blah, blah. Everything's going to work out. And it doesn't because you don't have any I was going to say a Hebrew word. You don't have any like um, structure. I was going to say say there, but you don't have any like path to follow to really reach any goals when it's just let it happen. Right. And right. I see that a lot with dog training, right? When I work with a dog, one of the important things that we do, and you know this because you practice it now, like I've heard, I heard you speak about it in your podcast, the structure with her life and the routine and the schedule and to me, those are the big things that change a person's life too. A lot of times is having structure, having routine, having schedule, having things to do, goals to reach and a path to reach those goals. And it's like literally works the exact same way with, with our dogs. Right. I, I think it, it brings up a very, very interesting um, concept. You know, there's, there's like, and I, I think that this is part of what you're driving at um, that kind of jumps out at me. There's a couple things. So first of all, you have like two sides. You have a, you know, a left side and a right side. In, uh, in in Jewish mystical literature, it talks about this a lot. But that's not the only exclusive. That's not exclusively where 
um, it emerges and emerges in other places. Also, even our brains have a left side and a right side. We have a creative side of our brains and we have a more executive functioning aspect of our brains, right? Those are kind of like the way in which we as human beings operate, right? So um, sometimes it seems like balance is doing not enough kindness and not enough strictness, right? It's like, it's like, a, like a, I remember once I was, I was sitting with a with a with a client. It was a it was a father and a son. They were having like some very very considerable interpersonal uh, challenges, right? So um, they're both like sitting there, and we're we're exploring this issue. And what emerges is that the son is resentful at the father because the father doesn't appreciate that he went to uh, a certain high school that the father wanted him to go to. It was a private high school, right? And then the father, and this is, the, they're not even realizing this because in, in when you get into like interpersonal relationships, so a lot of times what happens is people are arguing and they don't actually listen to each other. So I'm yeah. observing this, but they're not seeing this. And then the father uh, expresses that he's resentful at the kid because he allowed the kid to go to that, um, that high school, that, that private high school. Right? So what happened was the kid wanted to go to high school A. The dad wanted him to go to high school C and they both agreed to go to high school B and they were both unhappy about it, right? It's a sign of a very bad compromise. Yeah. Well, either a good compromise or a bad compromise, right? Interpersonally, it's a, when you're talking about uh, other types of, of compromises, those are sometimes good. But when you're talking about an interpersonal compromise, when both sides feel like they didn't get the right side, that oftentimes is not useful, right? So if I'm, but, but there's there's also a balanced kind of space where you're trying to incorporate both of those things in a way that enriches the 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 needs and well-being of the of the individual right so it's not about being like a little bit kind and a little bit strict it's about being strict and kind in the way that's most useful for the person that you're being strict and kind to so the subject is not the kindness or the strictness the subject is the subject the individual Right? And that's kind of really where you want to drive it. It was a long-winded uh, segue, but sorry. But um, but that to me has been like a really uh, powerful challenge through this whole thing is trying to find that space. Where I'm not compromising. I'm just trying to find what works best, not just for Lucy, right? What works best for me? What works best for my family? What works best for our family? Because she's a part of our family. Like right. it really has to kind of fit in integratively into the whole process. Um, the other, the other thing that really jumped out at me when you were talking was, you know, I'm 41 years old. I, 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 uh, I'm at a point in my career and in my life, I've, I got married relatively young and my kids are grown for the most part. I have a son in ninth grade and I have a daughter who's in, in college. I have a lot of freedom in my life. I'm at a place in my career where I have a lot of like flexibility and I get to invest myself in the parts of my, job that I want to do. I get to delegate the parts that I don't want to other people. I'm at that stage of my life. And the idea of sacrificing that for this dog has been kind of like the most challenging part and the worthwhileness of that. Like, is that worthwhile for me? Have I sacrificed too much? And, and that like really, A, stands strong as kind of like my most pressing challenge. And, and the thing that I think, um, not to wrap it in a bow too much, but the thing that's really helped me 
walk through that without feeling resentful or angry is this idea of how meaningful those lessons are, not only for me, but for my son. Right? You talked about leadership. I thought that was great. We should just talk about leadership for a while. That's amazing. We very rarely learn the opportunity to develop leadership skills in life. It's not something that we get to do. And when you own a dog, either you're leading the show or the dog is leading the show. Right? I think that gets into a lot of what you're trying to do. And being able to learn um, the self-esteem necessary, develop the self-esteem necessary to take a leadership role in that process. Like the dog's not in charge. You're in charge. Right? With, and that doesn't mean you have to be mean. It doesn't mean you have to be angry. It doesn't mean you have to be domineering. It means you need to own your, like, uh, your space. You need to own your role in the process. And that's been, I think, a tremendous thing. I'm wondering, I wonder for you, like, you use that word leadership, but, like, what, what, when did you, like, conceptualize that as, like, a, an aspect of, because that's not anything I ever would have thought about, ever. Like when it came right. to like dog training or dog ownership, leadership. There's a dog. No, no, but who's leading who? Right? So when, well, where, when did that click for you? How did that happen? There's this idea that I, I don't like that people have this idea of you have to be alpha or dominate your dog, which I don't like that at all um, because just the sound of it feels uncomfortable, right? Like that's not, that doesn't sound like a good relationship that you'd want to have with anyone right you don't want to be dominating somebody if you're if you're a healthy normal person you want to have a give and take right and dog ownership is supposed to be a give and take but that give and take still has a hierarchy to it because at the end of the day just just very practically speaking dogs are not as much as they've evolved to live with humans they're still wired to be predators to go out and hunt even little cute lucy right to go out and kill and hunt and and live in in groups with other dogs and have a whole different way of living than us humans do and we bring them into a human-centric world right and it's awesome that we do it and, and it's not like dogs resent us for doing that they love it lucy gets to chill and have a great life right but that being said, it's almost like if I took you and I dropped you in a very foreign land where you don't speak the language, you can't read, you don't know anybody, you don't have nobody to translate it for you, and I threw you in there and said, good luck, here's your new friend, right? Hmm. And your new friend doesn't want anything to do with you because he doesn't understand you. He tries to help you, but he's giving you things that don't work for you, right? Like he he's giving you, like he doesn't know that you keep kosher and he's giving you you cheeseburgers and he doesn't know like your way of life he doesn't know your language and as much as he tries to help you he can't right and if you went in there with a tour guide right and you, you had somebody who spoke that language who understood your needs understood your culture understood where you came from and your way of thinking and who you are as a person and understood that you'd want a lot to do with that person right you would you would follow that person that person would be a leader to you right because they're they're bridging that gap for everything that's necessary and to me that's that's the way i look at dog ownership in general we bring these dogs into our lives it's like a foreign world to them and then the cultural western way of dealing with dogs is to give them the best toys and to give them all sorts of like freedom and to give them the most comfortable clothes and the biggest cushiest bed and all these things that 
dogs don't need and many times don't even appreciate while not giving them the things that are so important to really guide them through this world, right? And I think that's the role of a leader. A leader is not bossy. A leader isn't because nobody likes a boss, right? And a leader is not somebody who's like always punishing or always looking down on you or always criticizing like leaders eat eat last you know leaders are somebody who takes the full responsibility on them so that the dog can now live that stress-free life in a comfortable situation but the, an, a, a healthy stress-free life right where even when there is stress there's someone walking them through it I, when i actually thought of this idea well i learned about it and and i developed it with my own dog because i had a dog that i struggled with a lot my first dog was a bad dog like there's no getting around it he's my dog and i love him so i can say it. he was a bad dog and i struggled because i didn't have any of those things in my personal life that were necessary to raise a big rottweiler mix to not be dangerous right like i didn't have healthy boundaries and i didn't have structure in my life and forget about leadership and like the confidence that i think is necessary and all these things that play out that are very necessary i didn't have and the more i learned about it for my dog and then the more i learned about it for myself the better our relationship developed and it kind of blossomed from there it's how i'm doing what i'm doing now so i think there was an aspect of it that i kind of started to understand naturally when i started to struggle with my own dog and started to research and things because there was there's this gap in a lot of the dog training in a lot of dog training out there a lot of people don't talk about um the relationship aspect of it the leadership aspect of it all these things that we keep talking about they just talk about teaching your dog how to do things and then you become a boss right then you're just being bossy when i think things get so much better when you take that role um and and everything that comes with it plus teaching your dog what to do because then you're not being an annoying mean overbearing boss you're giving your dog guidance and you're helping it through this world that you've chosen to bring it into i don't know if that really answers your question of where i kind of picked it up from but it's how i relate to it um right. and it's how i kind of right. see it I, I learned a lot about it from other trainers and from researching and from a ton of trial and error and there was a point with my dog when he knew a lot of commands he knew how to do tricks but he was still a brat and he was still dangerous and that was when i realized that there's something else missing here that i needed to fill that gap with and and that was leadership and boundaries and accountability and structure that was the whole mindset side of it and once that part came into play everything changed and i think dogs naturally have that amongst themselves too where there's that need for leadership in them just like how we have it, right? I think it's a natural thing to living beings, maybe just mammals, I'm not some sort of scientist, but to, that's what it seems like, is that there's some sort of natural lead for leadership and we all look for it, right? We're like COVID, things are going on in the world that are crazy and people look towards someone's like, be our leader, right? And you hope that you're gonna find somebody who's able to take some sense of responsibility and guide the people through whatever they're struggling with not necessarily saying it's everything's going to be okay but it's like this is going to be a struggle but i'll help you through it what um <laughs> were you were you surprised like you described yourself as more 
as not having structure and discipline in your life. Um, were you surprised to find out that you were capable of being disciplined in the way that you are? Because yeah, I experienced you as like pretty disciplined in other areas of your life, like not even in how you interact with dogs, but even in how you carry out your business and how you carry out your relationship with me as a, a client of yours, right? There's a certain structure to it, which I appreciate, right? But you're, you're saying I was not always that way. And then your experience with your dog uh, taught you that. Well, let me, let me ask you this. Do you feel like it taught it to you or do you feel like it, it brought out a part of you that was there before? I think both. Um, I mean, I think that I, I had some of that kind of buried under whatever, under like life, you know, and, and I think also I learned a lot about it because even if it was buried there, if I didn't learn what that actually means and what that looks like, it, I don't think it can blossom the same way. Um, right. It's, it's, yeah. And I think that that's in general, that's why to me, education is important and like, like self-educating, like finding things that you're passionate about and interested in and, and learning about it because you're uncovering what's like there and then you're building on it so it could actually become something because somebody can be born really smart, really good at math. If they don't actually learn math. They're probably not going to do anything with it, you know? Right. But they can have a natural um, knack for it. But I think that, I mean, it plays out in so many areas of my life because it's important, right? Like if you brought up running a business, just like, just like how dogs need structure, there has to, and boundaries, there has to be that in a business too, for it to blossom. It's not going to grow. It's not going to work if it's just no rules to it. If it's just whatever happens goes right. Like that doesn't work. The reality of life is that nothing in life really works well like that. You end up having weeds all over. If you want to have a nice cultivated garden, you got to have structure to it, right? It has to be taken care of. It has to be watered. You got to pluck the weeds. You got to maybe have a gate around it to keep the squirrels out. Like there has to be some rules to it in order for it to, to truly blossom. And I think that is how it plays out with everything in life. It's just that it's not the fun part of things. It's, it's the work and hopefully you get the good part out of it. Hmm. So are you surprised like looking back at it and that, is where you're like developing that. I mean, to the degree you've turned that into an art form. So that's like a very intense level of owning and embracing your inner structure. You know, yeah. Capacity. Is that surprising? I mean, I mean, looking back on it. Yeah. Sometimes it is. I mean, I wasn't the type of person that would ever sit on a Facebook live with another person and have an hour conversation with them in front of people watching. I was never somebody who would put myself on a video camera on on Instagram or Facebook the way I do on a daily basis now. So like even things right. that are like small like that, yeah, it's totally it's changed me as a person. This whole process of dog training and working with clients to me wasn't just the dog training dogs part of it. It's training dogs, it's working with clients, it's it's working on trying to build the business, um, it's the social media presence, it's all of it together that's developing me as a person because there's a lot to all of that right like to put, to right, put right. One out there on a camera you know you have a podcast right you're you're opening yeah, yeah. yourself up to to critique it's it's a vulnerable thing to do right yeah and 
but I think there's a, um, a lot to learn from that and to learn from all these aspects of it that you don't gain necessarily from reading about it. You could read personal development books, which is great. I love it. And then you can practice or live it through some way. It doesn't have to be dog training. It doesn't have to be having a business, but you can find something where it relates to in a more real way. And to me, that's the ultimate learning experience. Right. And you're also very um, educational about your process. Like everything for you is teaching and informing other people, you know, your, I mean, your stories and your IGTV stuff, all the stuff you're doing on Instagram, all that stuff is very informative. You're putting yourself out there, which I would imagine is a part of it. That's just the marketing component. Like if you want to position yourself as an expert in a certain field, it makes sense to educate other people about that because they associate you as a, as a leader in that regard, but it seems to come natural to you. It seems to be kind of part of your natural tendency to kind of teach and want to inform almost like a caretaking aspect of your personality. When I was a, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a teacher for a little bit. I gave up on that idea, thankfully, um, (laughs) because I would never want to be a teacher in any sort of formal setting, but I think I am still just, I found, my way of doing it that works for me and who I am as a person and what I'm passionate about, different ideas I'm passionate about. I share things occasionally that aren't dog training related, but to me, that's just sharing me. And I think that like in terms of the marketing aspect of it, it's there's two parts of it. I put out a lot of free content that helps a lot of owners across the world who I will never even meet because people watch my content in all different places and I'm not trying to get their business. Like I'm happy that it helps them. And that in itself is enough for me putting out that stuff. I feel good knowing that somebody in Australia watched one of my videos and it helped them, right? That in itself is enough for me to keep putting out the content. And obviously marketing aspect of it's like, I think if you're not on social media, your business is gonna fail these days. I think that's just should be common knowledge at this point. But the the main reason why I put out content is because it it helps dog owners, it helps people. And to me, that's, a very important part of what I do is helping people. I love dogs, but I love people a lot. And like, I think that's an important part of it. And a part of it that's missed out in some dog training ways of thinking is like that it's all about the dog when it's not because you're just as important. You're more important than that dog, right? You're a human being and you're living with this dog and your, your feelings about it, your life, with this dog matters just as much as the dog's life with you. It's a two-way thing. It's not one and not the other. Right. Was that surprising to you? In what sense? Like you you went into this field because you had a certain passion for training dogs. Right? You had your you, t- you talked about your experience with your first dog and um, recognizing that you had the opportunity or the possibility of trying to alter the way that interacted with other dogs and other people and not being as vicious and not being as aggressive um, or whatever that was. That, was. that was the way that I interpreted what you were saying. Yeah. And that obviously led you down a path where you decided that you wanted to open up your own practice of training. So you would imagine that you'd be working with dogs, <laughs> but it turns out you're working with people maybe yeah. in a certain way as much as with dogs as you are. You know, the dogs only become a medium in a certain path, in a certain way for interacting with people and really transforming people's experience of dog ownership, right, to be a totally different thing. So is that 
Was that shocking to you? You know, there's all sorts of things that I do that I didn't go into this to do that stuff. And, and, and yet I, in many ways, I enjoy that stuff way more than the stuff that I, that I drove me into the field that I'm in to begin with. You know, I just love it. It's really enjoyable, you know? So was that a shock to you or did you, you know, is that, did you always love people? I definitely went into it thinking it's like in the beginning I had that mindset that a lot of people have is like, Oh, I love dogs more than people. Um, so I'm going to work with dogs. Um, thank God. I learned very quickly that that's not true because if you have that mindset, you're not, you're not going to be successful and people are going to feel a vibe from you. You got to be good with people. It's, I think it's a people business. Um, like you kind of said, like the dogs are the medium to it, right? My, the, I love dogs and I love working with them and, and I get almost a high from training dogs a lot of times and it's really cool and I get into a zone with them, but like seeing owners happy, seeing human beings happy with their dogs who struggled with their dogs and life getting better and being able to be the catalyst for that to me is everything. And I think it's just a means towards helping people. Was I surprised by it in the beginning? but I learned very quickly. I didn't have my own business right away. I worked in a facility for a while and I learned right away that the people who stay in that mindset of, so I, th I think that people who say that they love humans more than dogs, I mean, they love dogs more than humans. I, I think they were hurt by humans because I don't think right. that that's a natural thing to love another species more than yours in a real way like that. I think it comes from a place of hurt um, and not working through that hurt. And so you find comfort in the dogs and you rescue the dogs and you give them everything that you felt you should have had and you needed and didn't get from whoever the humans were that you felt should have given it to you. And so you portray that onto a dog. And I know it kind of sounds like I'm reading into things very deeply, but this is the way I think about it. And I think that it's an unhealthy thing and it doesn't play out well. And it definitely doesn't play out well if you're trying to help dogs that live with human beings that live with owners. Um, right. So yeah, I, it was maybe a little surprising to me in the beginning, but I definitely love the way it's turned out. I definitely love the fact that I can build relationships with people through their dogs and through, through helping their dogs that it's a very cool relationship to have with people that I wouldn't necessarily get out of a lot of, other ways of going about it. I mean, I'm sure there are, and everybody finds their niche of how to connect with humans. But to me, this is an awesome way of doing it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're. I mean, there's a lot of psychological insight there. Um, it, it's interesting because there's, there's a certain validation that you give. See, I, I have. It's funny because I have. I don't know. I tell that story. It's a little bit of a tragic story, but you know, I've had this like interesting interaction because like I deeply care about Lucy. I really do. I like. There's a part in that's almost like doesn't want to admit it because like, like <laughs> you should admit it. She's your dog. She's adorable. I love her. I know. She's not I, know. I know. But there's a part of me that's like uh, the abandonment, scared part of me. It's like I don't like admit <laughs> how much I love the dog. Anyway, that means, you're, that means you're a normal dog owner. Welcome right, to exactly. the queue. I think the same thing about mine. <laughs> <laughs> so, but there's another part of me that's like very cognizant of the fact that I have a very full life. I, I love people and, a, and my dog is my dog, you know, and then sometimes I interact with other dog owners and I've even had people say things to me. Well, you don't really like your dog. 
I was like, how do you talk about your dog? But I was like, what are you talking about? I love my dog. I like, you know how much time I give this dog? Like, and it, not, it's out of love and out of dedication and out of something that I committed to. And it's weird. Sometimes I'm like, I've committed to give like hundreds and thousands of hours to this dog's life, right? Like she was born, you know, some breeder, you know, raised her, you know, and she ended up in my life. And now I'm going to dedicate hundreds and thousands of hours to her so that she can have a good existence. It's a weird thing. Like when you get into the destiny of it, it's a weird thing that this dog, this spiritual being is hanging out with this spiritual being, right? It's a, it's a weird deal. And at the same time, I don't have to like, um, I don't have to give her human qualities in order for that relationship to be real. I don't have to give her our relationship human qualities in order for it to be real. I'm even of the opinion, I don't, I don't know how like radical this is to say that like, I think when you give a dog human, when you attribute a dog a human connection, you hurt the relationship because you're treating the dog like a person and the dog's not a person, it's a dog. And it's almost like disrespectful to yourself and disrespectful to people. I don't know. And I'm, like, I'm saying no. this on Keep going. I love what you're saying. <laughs> I don't know how like, not politically correct this is, but, but this has part of, been part of my experience. Like to really balance it. Um, and it's not, I really don't think there's a callousness to it. I don't think I'm, I'm being disrespectful to her as an organism and as a being that deserves to be taken care of and to be fed, you know, because she's alive, because she's a creature, a creator, and she was created by the same God that I was created. And, and, and God's given me, that's how I look at these things. For whatever reason, it's weird, but God gave me the responsibility to raise this very dog, right? Because she's the one that ended up in my house, not any other dog in the entire universe, the entire history of mankind, right? And the, but this dog ended up in my, response, in my life, and I have now responsibility to take care of her. And that's incredibly meaningful, but it is what it is, you know? And I've, I've told that, like, you can't lose sight of that because then you, like, you lose a little bit of your own humanity. Meaning like you lose that part, the part that I was talking about before where like, what it means to be human is I'm a little bit of angel. And this is something that Abraham Tversky, who's a, well, you know who Abraham Tversky is, but he's a psychiatrist who's also a, a Hasidic rabbi who's yeah. who's written 80 books. He's in the addiction world, which is the world that I operate in. He's considered by, in, in all segments of the population as one of the foremost experts or was, he's now retired, but, but, but he's a very, very, very popular author. And he talks about this, this is the specific language that he uses. He talks about a human being part human and part uh, angel. Right. And it's a composite of those two things, similar to what I was talking about earlier. It's not like it's meaning it's not like it's a little bit angel and a little bit of human, and those two parts are at conflict. When a human being is at its best, it's a composite between animal and angel. Right. There's a part of me that's a puppy, and there's also a part of me that's an angel. And I need to come to terms with that. And if I start treating my dog like it's part, part angel, I've done something wrong, and I'm mistreating the dog. And if I start to treat the dog, if I start to treat myself like I'm a puppy, I'm undervaluing myself, right? And part of what I talked about in the podcast is how much I learned from in my relationship with Lucy 
about the part of me that's a puppy, right? The part of me that's a puppy and the part of my clients that are a puppy and the part of my kids that are a puppy and not to be as frustrated with them when they're being puppy-esque, which means they're operating according to instinct and operating according to, and some of those instincts are very admirable. And instinct, some of these are, are less admirable. Some of these are more superficial, but some of the instincts are extremely admirable. Lucy's extremely friendly. That's an instinct. She's not doing that because she decided to be friendly. She's friendly. That's what she is. That's right. what she was born with, right? So I have the opportunity to foster that and to give that boundary and space and to allow her to learn how to be friendly in a way that's appropriate, that keeps her safe. And also is appropriate within the world that she's living in. Like you talked about the guy that gets stuck in the foreign land without a guide, right? So that's like part of that experience. So I think a lot of it is that. And it's interesting when you start thinking about what a human being is. And this is, this is particularly true when you get into like the field of psychology and you get into a scientific way of looking at the world or a materialistic way of looking at the world, right? Which I'm not dismissing but I think that you have to look at the world through both a spiritual and a material lens, right? That's what I try to do. That's the balance that I shoot for, right? Which is if you just look at the world through the material lens, I'm just a highly evolved puppy, right? And then like I've stripped away some of the great spiritual value of what it means to be a human, right? And and finding that balance is, is like incredibly meaningful, right? And in interacting with Lucy and allowing her to stay a dog through that process has actually made my experience of myself like incredibly better. Right? And it's an ongoing process. It's not, it's like every day. It's like not, right. it's not something like I feel like I can, I get the graduation and I get like the, the, the Ross canine, calm canine training award, you know, whatever, you know, uh, on the wall added to my, uh, to my university degree and my uh, license, New York state license. I got right there. It doesn't work that way. Something if it makes you feel good. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. I it's this constant journey, you know, and it's I don't know. It's, I don't want to say it's demanding, but it's 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 getting back what I put into it, you know, and and it's it's never ever what I would have imagined, you know, going into it. Like I never could have anticipated that with as is the case with a lot of different things. You know, like you go get a dog and you think, oh, look at the puppy and you get pictures and then you picked her up for the first time and it's like, oh, you know, it's like, it seems like, and it is all of those things. I mean, I was just out with her before walking and it's so cute and fun and gave her a stick and the whole deal. And she's like super happy and, you know, we're doing all sorts of fun stuff. Um, but at the same time, there's my own process of learning self-control and addressing my anger and addressing my frustration and how I process things, expressing my limits and boundaries, which has been huge for me, right? With my kids, because my personality is the type where I want to like jump in and take care of everything. Like I'll, I want to do everything, especially I don't want to ask anyone else for help, you know? And if I ask them for help, it's like this resentful tone, right? So I've had to like really work on that where I can like say to my daughter, like, I really need you to, take Lucy out tonight. I need, I need, I need you to do that. Right. Like, no, no, I'm just, I'm just telling you what I need. Right. It did not, that does not come natural to me at all. And that's what it's meant. It's meant doing that or else I lose my mind or, or I get frustrated with the dog or I'm angry and frustrated or I'm upset 
that I have a dog and I don't want to have any of that stuff. I don't want to have those feelings and experiences. So that's been a lot of that uh, journey. I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. But that's, yeah. No, you spoke, you spoke to something very powerful. I mean, a lot of things, but something that I really liked a lot that was very powerful that you were hesitant to say, but I'm glad you said it, is the idea of how humanizing a dog, I think, takes away from the beauty of who a dog is and what why us humans connected with them in the first place like is we don't connect with them because they're humans because if they if that's what it was then we would just have human relationships there's something very special about the dog human relationship that has evolved for thousands of years that dogs have worked with humans and been a part of their lives and a part of their families and it loses that that um quality that special specialness i don't know if that's a word but we'll use it now it loses that when you start to treat the dog like something that it's not right it's it's a dog and that's where the beauty of it lies in it being a dog in the in the one second pokey come here <laughs> one second sorry <laughs> one second pokey come come here boy and all that I had a dog next to me on the place, and then I glanced like this, and I was like, "He's gone." <laughs> so I go, go put him, go put him in his kennel because he just disappeared. He went, he snuck behind the cage and went to sleep in the corner over there. So I guess he had enough of me talking. Um, <laughs> so what was I saying? Yeah, I think that, and I, I find that the more that owners humanize their dogs and give them these dog qualities, as uh, sorry, these human qualities and think of them as little furry humans and all the, which is very common. And, and I think we all have some aspect of that in our relationships with our dogs. It's just only normal that we're going to anthropomorphize these animals. That's a hard word, but it's only normal that we're going to do that because we're human, right? So we think of things through a human lens. We can't relate to the world through right. dog's eyes. We're, we're humans. But the, the more that that's done, the more that people think of them as those little furry humans, the more they tend to struggle, the harder their relationship is, the more behavioral issues that come up, um, the in general things just aren't good. It's not fun. It's not, it's not as pleasurable to be around those dogs. And what I find is that those are the dogs that tend to have the worst behavioral issues. Those are the ones who tend to become aggressive, become anxious, fearful. Um, like you guys never had any of that stuff with Lucy, but yeah. the, the, dogs that have those issues and leaving out the ones who are just genetically off, right? Because that comes up every so often, but leaving those out, just regular dogs who start to develop aggression and anxiety and reactivity and fear, fear issues tend to be the ones that are humanized the most and they're over coddled the most and they're given the most love. And I don't mean love in like the sense of how you spoke of love with your dog. I mean like where it's all free love, right? And it's all just open, open bound, no boundaries. It's all just open and do what you want. And there's no accountability and all of the seemingly mean things and treating the dog like a dog are the things that actually help the dogs be their best selves. And what I found in my relationship with, with Marley, and then like the, I have three dogs at this point is 
I was treating Marley like my little son. I called him my son. <laughs> I carried him. I snuck him into Dunkin' Donuts in my hoodie, snuck him into restaurants in my hoodie because he was very small when I got him. And I treated him like a little baby. And it worked really well for the first few months because he was a little puppy. But then he started to develop into this adult dog that didn't want to be treated like a little baby, right? And he had greater needs that I wasn't meeting because I was emotionally stunting him in a sense. And I think that that's, that's a very, like you spoke about it from the way you, you spoke about it relating to like friends who have dogs and things like that. And the very generic answer that they give is like, you don't love your dog, right? When I'd venture to say that you have a more fulfilling relationship with your dog probably because of everything that you, the way you look at it, the, the perspective you have on it and the way you've worked, worked a program basically with your dog day in and day out, you're working a program with your dog that adds more fulfillment to your dog's life, but also to yours that a lot of owners don't get to have through their life with their dogs. They get a very loving relationship and they get a lot out of it. I'm not putting down any of that. Like obviously they love their dogs and obviously their dogs love them. But I know with my relationship with my dogs, there's something much deeper out of it. Now, besides for the fact that we get to do a whole lot more and have more fun just by the fact of that he listens to me. Um, but like there's there's a feeling in it that didn't exist beforehand of, I don't know if it's just by the mere fact of putting in more work. And I think when you put more work into something, you feel better about it in general. But I think there's something more to it than just that. I think it's the fact of that the dog gets to be a true dog when you treat it like a dog. And that's missing right. from a lot of dog human relationships. And you said, what was this? I don't remember the exact way that you said it, but I'm, I'm curious. Oh, this is what it was. You said it's nothing like the way you thought it was going to be like, so what did you think it was going to be? And what is it now? Like, what is that? What does that difference look like? What, when you thought of like getting a dog and having life with the dog, what, what were you thinking of that it's not and that it, you have now instead? Uh, it's interesting to put into words. So we got Lucy because my daughter was away at school and my son was having a very hard time being an only child. And that really was what motivated us. We had had a, a dog once before and it didn't really work out. Um, so that was a huge motivator um, among the other things that I talked about, which was my own personal loneliness um, and drove it. But I imagined it as fun and then tedious um like a task i'd have tasks walking the dog um picking up its poop and then it would just be fun and you know i don't, I don't know like i don't know it was childish i guess now looking back at it and part of what i've had you know when the when the two friends a brother-in-law of mine is friend friendly with you and that's how we get connected and then my my uh, associate and colleague um who was also friendly with you who sent it. So, so when, when they both were talking to us about the idea of dog training, um, you know, I just, I, I didn't, I didn't imagine it as uh, a really self development oriented experience. And that's what it's been. It's, it's really very much been that. And I don't I don't want to like make it, I don't want to make it into this thing with 24 hours a day. That's all I'm thinking about. And like, I'm this, I'm a guy super into self-development. Cause like, you know, that that's true to some degree. I mean, I'm, 
that's the field that I work in. So I'm invested in that. And that's what I like to do. And I enjoy those things and I meditate and I pray and I do all those things. And I'm very into that and um, reflection and all that stuff. But, but at the same time, like I also want to like chill and relax and have a good time. It's been all that too. But it's also like, if I invest my life in something that's meaningful, I will get something meaningful out of it. And I guess that's the transition. Having a dog has become a meaningful thing instead of just the thing that I did. That's a very, it took me a long time to get to the answer, but that's the answer to your question, right? I previously experienced something I was going to do, and now I realize it's something that I have been destined to do. It's now become part of my, the meaningful experience of my life. To the degree that, like, I don't know what I would do, but I can't imagine doing it again with a different dog. Because this is the, and maybe I would later, but I'm saying this is my experience. This is the experience I'm having with my family dog. I didn't imagine it being that way. And so it's like really altered my experience of life as a human. And, it, and therefore it's very existential. And it's interesting because when you talk about treating a dog like a human, humanizing a dog, you know, ascribing it, you're almost, and then the, the issues that emerge for a dog out of that, you're almost describing an existential conflict for a dog as well, right? You're, taught, you're describing like, and, and I see the world that way also. It's like everything is, is, is existential. And everything is spiritual and everything relates to my identity. And when I own that, it just changes everything. And it's like incredibly meaningful. Um, and there's incredible responsibility and meaning to it, right? Because meaning and responsibility come along one with the other. When something's meaningful, it's going to come, come, come along with responsibility. And when something comes along with responsibility, it's going to provide meaning in your life. And meaning in your life is the foundation upon which you build happiness, right? That's something that I draw from Man's Victor Frankl. meaning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've, and a lot of my thinking is, is fueled through, through Victor Frankl. And at first I was resistant to that because I didn't imagine having a dog being my, a Victor Frankl experience in my life. And I resisted it. And now I've come to kind of like, I, and I, I vacillate, but now I've come to try to like really own that. And to accept it, you know, this is a meaningful thing that I'm doing, you know, having a dog, right? Which is sometimes, no, this is a meaningful thing that I'm doing. It's meaningful because I allow it to be meaningful. I give it permission to be meaningful. I give, or I give myself permission to ascribe responsibility to it. And then it makes me a better person. And I think it has made me a better person. It's, it's brought out anxiety. It's, un, it's, it's revealed layers of anger and frustration that I never experienced before. And, and uh, it's also revealed certain um, tenderness that I don't think I, I experienced before in my personality. But through working on all those things, it's made me a better person. And therefore, that makes that incredibly meaningful and worthwhile. Um, yeah. So that's kind of been my experience with it. I think it's beautiful. There's a saying that I've heard so many dog trainers say, so I don't know who to attribute it to. So whoever wants to claim it as yours, you could, I'm not going to do that. Um, <laughs> but that you get the dog that you need, not the dog that you want. And I think that it's, it's interesting. I kind of hear that through your stories. Like you even had a previous dog that none of this played out that way. It played out very different. And something about this dog and this relationship and the time that you have it in your life now that it brought out this whole, this whole personal development side, this whole, journey with your dog that's very different than a lot of other dog owners very different than 
your the the dog that you guys have had had for a period of time prior to this and i just think i just hear it playing out a lot this idea that i've heard so many trainers say that you get the dog you need not the dog you want right like like with me marley i got marley i could have gotten as my first dog if if this was meant to be i could have gotten an easy peasy little dog that well never little but an easy peasy big dog <laughs> that would have just done everything i wanted had zero issues been okay with being coddled and mushed and all of that but i probably wouldn't be sitting here doing this right now had right. that been the dog that i got because i wouldn't have gone down this rabbit hole of searching for answers trying to find a better way for him and making things work with him and all of the struggles and hardships and tears that were gone through to get there and lots of money lost because he destroyed a lot of things like i wouldn't i wouldn't have gotten to this if i didn't go through all of that and, and again that relates to me in a very strong way to life that many times we don't realize why something's happening but it's easier to look back and be like wow working through that experience that was really tough but working through it got me to here got me to this point right and right. pushing through that struggle and working your way through the struggle rather than giving up on it or or whatever however someone relates to it but working through that experience brings that brings somebody to the greater experience generally that's just generally how life works but in the moment you don't realize it right like when i had when marley was destroying things when marley ate my expensive shoes and my glasses and things like that it wasn't like i was i never thought i was going to say like this is all like i'm so happy he did that because now i got somewhere greater right and i'm, I'm still not happy he ate my shoes but it's like right those experiences and working through it and where it sent me got me to a much deeper place and doing all of this a place in life that i, I never imagined i would be never thought i was going to be a dog trainer at least not when i got right. not then when i had marley and right it's just a very interesting thing the way i hear it playing out with you too that is you get this dog for some reason that triggered these this whole experience that you have and there was a part of it i think that you had kind of you you mentioned that you kind of wanted it for some of this, but it was also that it, it all happened at the right time to play out like this. And it led you through this whole journey, this meaningful journey that you didn't think you were going to have prior to that. Yeah. Do you? And yeah. And not, um, not to like ignore the fact that like we've had moments where we considered rehoming Lucy and we've had moments where we were incredibly frustrated and she's had a, a ton of medical issues that have come along. And we're in a very good space now. So it's like, I'm in, I'm in a good place where I'm talking about it very differently. But the entire process, like it's very easy when you're in those spaces where things are like fitting in to look back and be like, oh, it was totally worth it. <laughs> but, right. like, but when you're in the midst of the, of the strain and the struggle and feeling like that I make like one of the most costly, complicated mistakes I ever made in my life, you know, that can be very, very draining, but then to go on the other side and to feel like, no, this is what I did was valuable. Um, one of the things I'll just say this and then I, I interrupted you, I know we're short on time, but one of the things that, um, I lost my train of thought. I, uh, I forgot. <laughs> so we'll come back to it if it comes back. Um, okay. but I'm curious, like, looking back on all of it right and you've had like you were just mentioning you've had a lot of ups and downs and as as every dog owner relationship does and anyone who doesn't 
talk about it, whether they're a trainer or an owner, is just because they're holding back on something. But the reality is that every dog owner relationship has struggles, like any relationship, right? And you've had your ups and downs, and you've worked through it, and like you're in a great place with it now, and you've learned a lot from it and all that. Is there something that either like you wish you knew in the beginning or that you would tell other dog owners from your experience, what you, from what you've learned that you would like want to sh like share with other dog owners and or share with yourself if you were able to back then, if that makes right, sense. If I was going to like, no, no, no. If I, if I, if I, that's, that's sometimes the most meaningful form of advice you can give is like, okay. So if I had to like speak to myself right. a year ago when we were in the process of finding Lucy, um, it's hard to say with this because some of the advice would have probably led me to not having Lucy, right? <laughs> it would have been like to be more cautious, to not like pull the trigger. Like Lucy has certain like medical stuff, which I'm not regretting that she has, but like things came up and we were talking to the breeder and like I, I was making an emotional decision without really considering the fact that like that has real life consequences that I need to think about. And that gets into the human factor that you were talking about. So that's like one thing, like to like really be, and we were pretty disciplined about it. We were very not disciplined for the first time we got a dog and we paid the price for that. We were like relatively disciplined with that process. And that was really good. Um, but a lot of it is like really just lean into the experience. Like, and, and, and maybe like similar to what you said, like, like, I'm a, I'm a religious person and, and, and spiritual spirituality and theology, uh, Judaism, God, um, purposeful life is something that's very, very important to me. And when I got a dog, it was something that was like extra. It's like candy. It's not like food. You know, it's like it's candy for life. And seeing my experience with the dog that way the longer I held on to that feeling, I treated it like it was like an extra, um, like it wasn't a, a spiritual destiny that I was called to, um, made my life very uncomfortable because I felt like I was, all, I had always made a mistake. And part of what I've kind of come to the conclusion is like, there is no mistake. And Lucy, you know, whatever happens, with her and think we're in a very good place but whatever happens with her this was a destined experience for me and to really lean into that experience and enjoy the ride right it's been like a very very powerful thing and that's not something that i didn't know a year ago but i definitely could have really used that reassurance a year ago like just enjoy the ride experience the ride this is where god wants you You're exactly where god wants you to be that's something that's very important for me like to hear that like this is where god wants you to be God wants you to like be dealing with Lucy and that's a whole, and that makes it holy. That makes it special. That makes it unique. That makes it meaningful in a very, very like, kind of mystical way, I guess. And, um, and like to hear that and to like really lean into that is, um, I think that something that's was, is very important to me. It's, it is. Even when I say it now, I have like this certain part of me that wants to resist that. It seems, um, wrong, like not permissible, but, but that's how I feel. I really feel that way. I feel like this is a destiny. And like when I when I when I operate with her in a way that's appropriate, I'm doing something that's worthwhile. I'm doing a mitzvah, right? To use a Jewish word. Right? That's that's yeah. a mitzvah. It's part of my spiritual destiny. And and uh, treating it that way changes everything. 
just does. It just changes things for me. It gives it, gives it, it, it infuses my life with a spiritual sense, but it also infuses my life with God because I feel like God is with me in that process. Right? And that's something that I've had as well. I've invited God into the process of raising Lucy in the same way that I invite God into my process of raising my kids. Not that Lucy's my kid and like my kids. I don't treat her that way, but but raising her is something that I've been given to do and I'm trying to do the best I can. No matter what, what happens from today forward, it doesn't matter. That I need to like walk that path and be true to that path. Um, yeah, that's how I think about it. But uh, I don't know if that makes me weird. But, uh, that's how I think. No, it's very cool. Uh, I, I, love, <laughs> I love the perspective on it. I think it's why I wanted to talk about it with you because you have a very unique perspective some of which I've thought about in my life with my dogs. And it's it's very interesting to to hear somebody else think about some of these ideas besides me. I'm not the only crazy one. Um, <laughs> so, so we're in this crazy boat together, but it's, it's very interesting. And even what you're saying right now, right? Like of it's destined to be and lean into it. And, and like, I think, I think some people will struggle with the idea of it being godly. Right. And, and that's your personal experience with it. And it's good. I like hearing it. But even for just in general for people's lives, I think people can take it as the the meaningful aspect of it, right? Where it's something special and you're, it's meant to be now. It's meant to be here and enjoy the process of it, right? Like be be in the process of it. And that's, again, something that I learned from dogs in such a strong way of be in the process of it because if you're just result-oriented, you're going to be very frustrated and upset most of your time with your dog and most of the time with the training because you're always trying to get to something else as opposed to like you use the term leaning into it leaning into the moment and being present in this moment and that moment is meaningful even if it's frustrating even if it's hard even if it's not the fun side of it all it's meaningful because it's working for something greater it's it's coming to something bigger right having a bigger vision out of all of it and just just in the simple sense is like even practically speaking, working with dogs, like this is not something you'll probably relate to because you don't work with dogs, you have a dog. But if I don't lean into the moment and be very present with a dog, I can get bit, right? I can get hurt because not all the dogs that I work with are like Lucy's. Some dogs want to want to cause damage, right? And that in itself, that simple aspect of lean into the moment, be present and be be here now, be there in the moment with it and, and very focus makes it all more meaningful right when you're i think when you're present in something when you're i like the term that you use leaning into it it makes everything about it more meaningful even if it's not um objectively meaningful experience and that that's kind of how i got what i got from what you were saying um yeah it's, that, it's that a, term lean in has become almost like an anthem for me i know um, i see it on your on your instagram on my Instagram and uh, we have this like little revealed page and you know it's because it's really become this anthem for me in my life like lean into where I am you know I can very much like lean out from my life and then my life feels like a mistake and it feels like not where I'm supposed to be or not where I should be I've heard as they say shooting all over my life I should I should I should I should and then when I lean into my life you know I can kind of like and that gives me the opportunity to invite a spiritual energy into my life. I call that spiritual energy God, but it doesn't have to be like, it's not, it's not religious. It's not right. theological per se. It's a spiritual thing. So I invite my higher power, you could say, into my life, into this experience, 
and accept that I'm exactly where God wants me to be. I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. And, and, and this is the experience I'm supposed to be having right now, you know, and to fight those impulses to, to deny that. And when I deny that, then I deny the purposefulness of what I'm doing. And I, I, sh I shut off whatever I'm doing from God, right? So God ends up being somebody I visit in the synagogue and the rest of my life is out here and not being what it should be. And part of my spiritual journey, and this is a big part of the work that I do in, in particular a book that I, I just published um, is about like inviting spiritual energy, inviting my, my higher power, my God, into every aspect of my life. And the only way I can do that is by owning or leaning into the fact that I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. Right? And that allows what I'm doing to have incredible spiritual, mystical meaning. Right? And then it makes those experiences much, much more powerful which then enhances my relationship with God, enhances my relationship with my family, enhances my relationship with everything that I'm doing. And that goes with work, and that goes with Lucy, and that goes with everything that I'm doing, right? Dealing with COVID, and whatever whatever it is I'm doing, right, is, can be, depending on my attitude, invested with a tremendous amount of spiritual life, right? If I give it permission to, right? And that's what I've been trying to focus on. And having Lucy, particularly, I think, even in retrospect, I don't know if I would have said this before we started, but I think it rings to me as true now that I'm we're talking about it. Like having Lucy has been one of the most challenging and meaningful expressions of that, because it's not something I ever would have anticipated. Um, it being like finding meaning there, finding something spiritual there, right? It was spiritual, like to really go take care of a dog, but it's like spiritual in a much more intense way. Um, and uh yeah so that's that's okay that's kind of like the the part that's most shocking i think actually actually that was very, very revealing thank you <laughs> thank you i i appreciate it I, I appreciate you coming on and sharing all everything that you shared and thank you do you want to let anyone know where they can about your podcast listen to it i think some people might enjoy it at least uh, the one about lucy is very interesting that anybody can relate to like do you want to share yeah, yeah. Yeah, so um, the podcast, thank you. I appreciate that opportunity. The podcast is, everything I do is um, unabashedly Jewish. I'm a Jewish person and I'm spiritual, but I try to like make it as pluralistic as possible and available as possible. The podcast is on um, every, all the podcast formats. It's called Consciously. Um, and uh, and uh, there's, some, there's, I think, three episodes on Lucy and there's some other really meaningful Things I do an interview series. It's really really nice. Um, also on Facebook, Instagram, uh, consciously is one uh, page on Instagram and Facebook, and the other one is called uh, the Light Revealed, uh, which is like kind of recovery oriented. It's related to the work that I do. I work with people in recovery, and um, and and I just published this book. I'll plug my book called Congrats. Consciously. Thank you. Um, it's about uh, developing a vibrant relationship with God. And um, like, uh, it's online, it's on Amazon and uh, bookstores and well, Jewish bookstores, but uh, the Jewish publisher. But um, it's been really this whole thing. I, I it's crazy. The, the last year has been unbelievable <laughs> COVID, but also on a, per, on a professional level, kind of doing all this stuff, all this, everything I just described um, now, all of that stuff the book, the podcast, the social media pages didn't exist a year ago. None of it. Wow. 
Um, so, uh, so I've leaned in to this process and it's, uh, it's manifested in like really meaningful ways. Anyway, great to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. And thank you for everything. What? Yeah. I said thank you for everything. Oh, of course. It's been a pleasure. (laughs) It's been awesome working with you guys and hanging out with Lucy and being a part of this whole journey. And it makes it, I'll end off that with this, that it makes it more meaning. It makes what I do more meaningful having a perspective that you have on it and and hearing that perspective makes a lot of what i do more meaningful it adds a lot of it adds a lot of meaning to what i do because sometimes it's a struggle to find the meaning in the moment if i'm not leaning into it right when it gets tough when i'm cleaning up dogs crates that are disgusting and doing the not fun of this parts of this job that nobody wants to see on social media that's the real side of all of this right and the perspective that you have on it is a very enlightening perspective and totally adds a lot of meaning to it. Like when I first heard your podcast, I listened to, I didn't know there's three parts to it. I listened to the one that you had sent me. two or three. I don't remember. I, I know I have a, no, no, I was two. I have a third plan. God alone. I'll gotcha. so I'll have to check. I listened to the one that yeah. you sent me. I listened to it twice. One, like one after another in my car driving uh, because you. I was like, there's a lot of, there's a lot to it and it's a very meaningful thing. And it, adds a lot of meaning to what I do on a daily basis with the dogs I work with and the owners that I work with. So I appreciate your insight into all of it a lot. And I appreciate you coming on to share it with all of us tonight. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Russ. All the best. Take care, man.